Let's go. We're in a series now called The Journey. Every month we do new series here, to, and, and it's planned out for the year so that we, we have vision. We plan a year in advance practically uh, so that we, we pray and really know where God's taken us as a church, not up here haphazardly, but really asking God to give us direction on, on where God wants you to go and wants me to go as a people. And we're in a series called The Journey. The Journey. And we talked to you on the first part. We talked about the Passover and, and what happens with Christ and, and how God used him to become the sacrificial lamb. And we talked about that in detail of what Christ really went through in preparation for the cross. And then last week, we started on this four-part series that we're dealing with now on the four promises of God because the Passover was leading into these four promises, all right? And so the first promise we talked to you last week was that God wants to create a new you that God doesn't want you and I to try to make the old person better. He wants to give us a brand new person. How many knows the scripture says that we all things become new in Christ? And how many is glad that God didn't save you so that you could try to keep working the old person out, but he gave you a brand new person when he came into your life and you get to start over. How many loves to start over in Jesus, amen? And so we talked about that in detail, that the first promise is that God just wants you to know him. And then today, I wanna talk about a better you, okay? Last week, we talked about a new you. We're talking about the journey of life. There's four stops that God wants us to make on this journey. And the first one is to just know God that God wants you to, to experience a brand new you, that person you never thought you could be or become, you can in Christ. Because I, I, I become a brand new person in him. Old things have passed away. All things have become what? Brand new. And so we get to become a brand new person in him. But today I want to talk to you about once you've known that, because we share with you that when this scripture is given in Exodus 6 that we're about to read, it's giving at the, uh, at the Seder dinner, the Passover, and in all the other experiences in the Jewish culture, they use one cup of wine when they're celebrating, but at the Seder, they use four cups. And it's intentional because every time the priest, and still today, every time the priest will read one of the promises, he drinks from a different cup. And Jesus did that intentionally because he did not want us to commingle the promises because if you commingle them, they lose their purpose and value. And that's why many have struggled in their Christian journey with God in the church. We're going to talk about that today. It's because they commingled the promises. We didn't divide them and look at them individually. And the first one is salvation. How many knows Jesus does all the work at salvation? You and I do none of it. Come on, there's nothing you and I can do to get good enough to be saved or clean ourselves up. If we could, we'd have done that a long time ago. But how many knows Jesus does all the work at salvation? But then we get to cup number two. You gotta lay that cup down and pick up a new cup because that one's already been taken care of. And today I wanna bring it into cup promise number two. And let's go to our scripture right now, all right? It's found in Exodus. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And here's promise number one. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'm gonna bring salvation. I'm gonna save you. You're gonna know me as your God. And here's promise number two we're gonna talk about today. I will free you from being slaves to them. He says, I'm, I'm gonna what? I'm, I'm gonna let you, what, find freedom. You're saved, all right? We've already taken care of the knowing God part. Promise one's done. All right, I've accepted Christ's salvation. Now God says, I wanna move you into the journey of promise number two, and I've got you out of Egypt, out of the world. Now let's start getting that world out of you. 
Let's start freeing you from all those hurts, all those bondages, all that stuff that's been destroying your life. I wanna help you find freedom. And, and you see that in your notes. And then promise number three, and I will redeem you. Promise number three, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We're gonna talk about that one next week on discovering your purpose, how to discover your purpose in God. And then number four, he says, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Now, the first three promises deal with us individually. But in the fourth one, God says, now that you know me, you're finding freedom, you're discovering your purpose, I'm gonna connect you now with a family, and you're gonna become my people, you're gonna be a part of this thing called the church on the earth, and you're gonna go make a difference and impact and change people's lives with the hope of the kingdom. Come on, isn't that an awesome journey for God to take us on? And that's a simple picture of God's promises. And he says, why? Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Amen. You see, many people have an issue with Christianity because they've got a wrong view of Christianity. They, they've judged about what they've seen in other people where God says, when you see my real kingdom, you'll understand it now. And when you let me uh, place these four promises and walk you through that journey of life, you're gonna know that I'm the Lord your God. You, you didn't join a church, you joined a kingdom. Amen. And I wanna tell you, my role and goal here today, and I say it all the time, is not to build this church. It's not to build a great church. My goal in life is to help build you and let you help build me. And let's become better people. And if we become better people in God's purpose in our life, then we become a great church. And we're not great because of our size, we're great because of our impact that we get to make in the lives of others. Come on, can we give Jesus thanks for that, amen? All right, and so let's go on a journey now. A new you, a new you. I wanna to talk to you about that today very quickly. Ephesians 2 says, Paul says, God saved you by his grace when what? You believe. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. God says he saved us by his grace when we what? When we believed. Can I tell you, that's all that's required in promise number one. Amen. Is that I just come and believe that if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he raised from the dead, you shall be saved, the Bible said. And so all we had to do, come on, how many's glad that's all you had to do to meet Jesus was just come and, and confess that I need you, you're Lord. It wasn't even talking about I confess how bad I am, it's I confess how great you are. And, and I give myself to him and by his grace, he gives me what I never deserve and keeps from me what I do deserve and I get to experience a brand new life in him. God immediately saves us and gives us a total new Beginning, how many found that out when you came to Jesus? How many's life was pretty messed up, besides mine, when you came to Jesus? And it was like, wow. Amen. It was like things I used to love, I now hate, and the things I used to hate, I now love. It's like, what happened? It's called transformation. Amen. It's a brand new you in a salvation experience of knowing God. And you're instantly saved in order to begin a process or this journey that we're talking about of finding freedom because God doesn't save us just to exist. He saves us for purpose. 
And so the next step on the journey is that I know God now. I have this salvation experience. God wants to move me into promise number two where I now begin to find freedom. And I want to talk to you today about finding that place of freedom in God because when you find it, we get to move into promise number three. Next week, we're going to talk about, and that's discovering your purpose. And then when you get to that one, man, you get to join the family of God all around the world, and we get to go make a difference in the lives of thousands of people with the hope of Jesus. So let's talk about this thing called freedom, the transformation that God wants to make happen in mind in your life. Because you see, nothing we did was involved in our salvation other than what? Just coming and believing. That's all we did in the salvation part. Jesus did it all. But I want to stand here today and tell you as your pastor, works are involved in your freedom part. Amen. Stay with me and I'm going to explain that. Because how many in here, once you got saved, there was an immediate freedom from some habits and some things and some hurts and some struggles in your life. There was immediate freedom from some of that stuff, but how many besides me would raise your hand and go, there's still some stuff going on? Amen. Amen. I hadn't got it all down yet. I'm still working out some things. Amen? Because there's some work involved. We see it in Philippians where the Scripture says, work hard, work hard to show the results of your salvation. It didn't say work hard to be saved. It said work hard to show the fruit. Work hard to show the fruit of what's already taken place in promise number one. So it's already been done. So he doesn't say work hard to have it. He says work hard to show it. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. Not work hard to get saved, but work hard to show the fruit of your salvation. It's your freedom or deliverance that's now in process. Because now I know right from wrong. Now I know those are the things I don't want to keep doing. That's the stuff I don't want to go back to. I've been saved from that. I don't want to go back, so I'm going to work hard in what? In proving and showing the fruit of my salvation. And can I tell you, 87% of the church world today never gets past this point. 87% of the church world never gets into promise number three. They spend their entire Christian life in church, coming on Sundays, just praying for another touch of God to get me through another week. They never get into discovering their purpose because they never feel saved enough to get there. Because we have been stuck. Remember, you don't co-mingle the promises. Jesus already took care of salvation. Too many of us are trying to work hard enough to be saved. You're trying to work hard to, to be that person that Jesus will be pleased with. But he that knew no sin became sin, that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ, that we don't have to earn it. It's a free gift. And, and Jesus knew no sin, became our sin, that now when God looks out of heaven, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the righteousness of his son. He's like, I want you to start enjoying the freedom that I want to give you on this journey. Come on, we'll just say thank you, Jesus, for that one too, all right? And so we want to come and we want to move you and move myself into this third promise. But to get to that third and fourth promise, you've got to grab hold of promise number two. You can't get there without this one. Works comes in only after salvation has already taken place in your life. Now works becomes a part of that because God says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to start working it out because how many knows because God sets you free from that addiction doesn't mean the, the temptation 
for it's not going to come back. God freed you from that offense that took place 20 years ago, but the enemy's going to come back and try to relive it in your life. And, and God's saying, you got to work these things out. You, you got to work out that forgiveness of that offender. You got to work out that addiction. You got to work out that anger issue. You got to work that thing out. He says, but here's why I'm going to give you the power and the will to do it. We're going to win this thing, God says. We're going to bring freedom in your life. And here's where many struggle with this because how many know salvation was instant? I mean, like, Jesus, I need you. Grace, save. Because he already took care of that on the cross and a resurrected Savior in an empty tomb. Already done. All we have to do is confess, believe, receive. It's done. But freedom's not that instant in many areas of our life. Some areas are immediate. We've got people sitting in this church. Many people in this church come out of drug addiction, alcohol, sexual perversion. I mean, we're not a church that runs around trying to get other church people. We're like 67% of this county doesn't go to church anywhere. Let's go fish in that pond. Let's, Let's go reach those that are looking for hope and needing help. Let's be a hospital, not a playground. And let's heal the sick and, and let's bring people in. And, and there's folks here that were addicted to drugs for 20 and 30 years, alcohol for 20 and 30 years. And in one moment, they gave their heart to Christ and God set them free from 20 years of addiction. Not a withdrawal, not, not a withdrawal. There's other people God set free and there were struggles. And there were still struggles and they fell and some of them were you. And, and maybe mine wasn't drugs. It was an anger issue growing up from an offense that took place in my life as a 12-year-old boy. And so whatever our problem is, here's the philosophy of Transformation Church. He said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're going to do that together. And if you got your drug addiction down, don't judge Johnny who's still working his out. And if you got your anger issue controlled, don't judge Mary who's still working through hers. But as a family, we're going to work it out together. And if we see you fall down, we're not kicking you out of the church. We're going to be the first one to run, pick you up, say, come on, we got this. We got this. We can do this. Well, Jesus has provided freedom for us. So there's three focuses of life. Let's go through them very quickly. Number one, that Jesus wants to bring to you in this thing called freedom, finding freedom. There's three stops along the journey. Number one is he wants freedom over sin. Because how many will confess today, as your pastor, there's still some sin stuff out there you have to deal with. Come on. There's nobody in this building, including me, that holy yet, Okay. There's still some stuff we all are tempted with and we're all dealing with and we all fight with and and we wrestle with because the enemy doesn't take a nap on any of us. God wants to come and bring freedom over sin in your life. And this involves the decisions and choices that we make ourselves. Romans says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, there's that new person, promise one, right? Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Come on, anybody with me? Go, yep, got that one, okay? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Man, I want to do what's right. I just want to do it. It's my desire, but I see another law at work within me. There's still that, that, that opportunity to struggle, to mess up, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that's still wanting to work within me. Promise number one is done. I'm saved. Promise number two now, God said, I've got you on this journey of finding freedom, and you've got to understand that it doesn't happen as instant as salvation did. That there's many areas of mine in your life that God immediately set us free from, but there's some other areas that we're still working out. Come on, can I get a witness in here? That there's still some areas that I'm still, God's just walking me through this journey. I'm doing better than I did last month. 
I'm progressing. And then sometimes I fall down, but thank God he's a father who loves me and he'll pick me up and get me back on that tricycle and say, come on, we can do this again. Amen. We're going to ride it until we ride it by ourselves. And we got to come and realize that there's this war going on in our spirit. No matter how saved you are, how much in love with Jesus you are, there's a war going on. This is what people tell me all the time when they sit across my desk and we talk to new converts. I love being with new converts and, and, and I spend a lot of time with the new converts in our church. And, and it's funny when you'll sit across and they'll go, Pastor, I never had these problems like this until I got saved. I say, no, you're just going to hell. Amen. You didn't have no problems. You're just going to hell. The enemy's not messing with you when he already owns you. You're right where he wants you. But man, when you make that decision, become a brand new person in Christ, you woke all the hell up. But greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. We can still do all things through Christ that strengthens us. You just joined the winning side, my friend. And if you'll stay focused on Jesus and connected to his word and his body, you're gonna win. But he says there's some work you gotta do. You got a part to play in this. You got some choices to make. And so here he says, I want to free you from sin. And the apostle Paul is telling us that he's still in a battle with his sin nature. But he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ. We have a, we have a defense attorney. He's in our room right now. He goes to our church and he can verify these facts or prove. You know, 50% of all inmates that get released from prison return back within three years, 50%. Now you would think after being locked up in jail, I ain't coming back here. This is not happening again, right? And you know what? 100% of them say that. But 50% are back incarcerated within three years. You wanna know why? They experienced salvation. They were saved, they were released, but they never found the freedom part. They experienced the salvation. They've been set free, but they never went to promise number two in life and found the inner freedom of what was causing them to do the things that made them bound. And can I tell you, many people sit in the church the same way. If you think 50% is bad, 87% of those that are Christians inside the church have not found it yet. And that's why they keep going back and going back and going back to that same old lifestyle that was destructive, the same thought pattern that was destructive, they never enter into the, the purpose of God in their life because they spend your whole life trying to be free, trying to enjoy that salvation thing when you haven't walked out the journey of freedom. God wants to set you free today from the things that have been haunting you and destroying you for your whole life. God today is sending you a word to say, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. It's time to be free. Time to be free. And so when we look at this today, I want us to look because promise one, salvation, knowing God takes care of eternity. How many knows when you accepted Christ, eternity is taken care of? But do you know promise number two, finding freedom determines our quality of life while here on the earth. Many are saved and going to heaven, but struggle daily with messed up thinking. Been there, done that, all right? But many are going to heaven. If you've got promise number one, you're going to heaven. You don't have to work on that. That's done. But if you're trying to get into promise number two, you got to deal with this messed up thinking, plagued by selfish habits, 
secret addictions, sexual temptations, unforgiveness that has not been made real in my life to forgive bitterness, sinful attitudes, saved but not experiencing the life of freedom that Jesus has made available to you. And that's why so many inmates go back within three years as they were set free, but they never changed the messed up thinking that got them there in the first place. And can I tell you, many in the church come and get Jesus and they experience a moment of freedom and salvation, but they never enter into God's purpose in their life because messed up thinking keeps taking you back to that old person. And God wants to free you from that today. You see, Jesus did not offer himself to be slaughtered to help you make your old person better. He was slaughtered, killed, but resurrected as a means to give you the choice of a brand new beginning, a choice to start over, a choice of a true resurrection in mind in your life. Here, here's a church sign. I thought it was pretty fitting for, I kissed a girl and I liked it, then I went to hell. Anybody grew up in a church like that? You know, when I grew up, I mean, if you breathe out of the left nostril, you're going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Just like anything you did, you're going to hell, all right? And you know what? When you grow up under that law, that religious condemnation of everything you do, going to hell, going to hell, going to hell, we, nobody told us we could get to heaven. Everybody tell me I'm going to hell. But I'd rather preach today and tell you how to get to heaven. Hell's very real or you wouldn't need a heaven. But what we've got to do today is you've got to get out from under that weight and realize today that Jesus wants to free you from your sin and the penalty of your sin. Number two, freedom from wounds. Freedom from wounds. God wants to free you on this journey today. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about the gift of freedom today, finding freedom. God wants you to find freedom from your sin. As when I say you, I'm referring to myself. God wants us to find freedom from wounds. You see, sin is defined as what you did to yourself. God takes care of that. But wounds are defined as what others have done to you. Amen. And oftentimes, this is where many of us get stuck in the church. Because you see, broken homes or abused as a child, divorce or betrayal as an adult, hurt deeply by someone you trusted and loved, falsely accused, wounds represent those hurts that you did not invite or ask for, but they came. They're the actions of others that blindside us and catch us off guard, unexpected. Those that we thought would take a bullet for us have their fingerprint on the trigger. And the wounds are deep. Wounds represent those hurts that you did not invite, but they came. If you do not deal with your wounds once and for all, you will never experience. Are you hearing me today, church? Amen. And I understand as a 12-year-old boy, I went through a horrific experience as a 12-year-old boy. Never told a soul about it until I was 38 years old and my world crashed. Pastoring a large church with three heart monitors hooked to my belt 24 hours a day. They told me I had a heart of a 70-year-old man because of the stress that I had lived under all those years with that hidden hurt and offense in my life. I know wounds, but I also know the freedom that Jesus can bring when you allow him to come in. And, and, and I'm getting ahead of myself today, but when you refuse to forgive those that hurt you, you empower them to own you. When you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, you are empowering those that already own you. 
They own your mind, they own your will, and your emotions. Your soulish man's a slave to the person that you despise the most that hurts you the deepest. But when you let forgiveness and freedom come, Jesus says, I want to free you. I want you to experience this promise of freedom because I'm going to free not just that person from you, I'm going to free you from them. And God wants to bring that healing in your heart. And guess what? If you don't, you're going to join that 87% that never gets to enter into God's purpose in your life because you'll spend your whole life in unforgiveness and bitterness for the things that happen in your life, the offenses, the hurts, the wounds. Why does the devil fight you so hard in the area of this forgiveness, of this area of deliverance, of this area of freedom. Why, why is there such a battle? Anybody besides me been there? I spent years dealing with that, man. Years trying to find a place to forgive the people that hurt me the, the deepest. I built walls around me that's, that I wouldn't even let God in because I said, nobody's gonna hurt me like that again. Amen. And, and it was 38 years old when I finally found that freedom that I'm preaching to you about today. And, and I knew I had found it when my 16-year-old daughter walked in the bedroom one day crying and hugged me and said, Daddy, I'm so glad to meet the father I always knew I had, but never got to know. And I knew then that that wall had come down as God had started a healing in my heart. So I'm not up here preaching the perfect pastor that's never gone through anything. Oh, we can write that book together. But I'm standing here telling you today the same thing he did in my life, the same thing he can do in yours if you'll let him. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And it's exciting to know he has the ability to do that. But why does the devil fight us so hard? Because when you walk in true freedom and you discover the purpose that God has for you that we're going to talk about next week, and then the next week when you connect that purpose with a body and a family of God, you will impact your sphere of influence with the hope of Jesus like the world's never seen. And the greatest threat to the enemy today is when the body of Christ finds the freedom in Christ, we discover who we are in him, and then we combine that together and we go make a difference in the world that we live in. Do you know we can change Pensacola for the kingdom? We can impact Pensacola for the kingdom of God. You can impact your family, your sphere of influence, where you work, but you can't do it when you're as hurt as they are. But when you let Jesus bring healing in your heart and in your life and you're going to work with a smile and with joy and with peace and the righteousness of God's flowing through you and they want to know what are you on? Jesus. Just been with Jesus this morning. We make impact. That's why the enemy wants to keep you there because you lose your ability to make impact. The apostle Paul said in Ephesians and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. You know what he means there? He puts a foot in the door. Well, I'm doing good, not if the door's cracked. You gotta shut that baby. You gotta close it once and for all, say no more, not going back, not happening. I'm moving into God's destiny and purpose for my life. I'm getting promise number three taking place. Come on, are you with me today? We're gonna get free. Number three is get freedom from the enemy. Get freedom over the enemy. You must learn how to take authority, and I must learn how to take authority over the enemy. You must stop giving him back the territory that God has already given to you. Amen. Don't keep letting him get that foot in the door and come back in over and over. How many's found that? Yeah. Just like did good for three months, boom. I saw him in Walmart. <laughs> the whole thing just come over me again, preacher. 
Come on, anybody besides me been there? You go down the aisle looking. Nah, we're going on. Going on. <laughs> moving on, moving on. There's Aunt Susie. Oh, Jesus, family, family. And if you haven't figured that out, family is usually some of the main people the enemy uses to keep you from reaching your destiny in God. And I say this all the time, but you need to get some crazies out of your inner circle. And most often time, they're relatives. Love them, keep praying for them, but quit giving them an ear. Quit letting them speak negativity and defeat in your life and telling you what you're not. Get in the Word, get around some other Christian people in the family and find out who you are. And we're going to talk about that one next week. Let's go make a difference in people's lives. And he wants to free you from this thing of sin. He wants to bring you into this place of freedom. He wants you to have freedom over the enemy. All right, and here's Ephesians. We're gonna wrap up here in just a moment. Watch this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, finally, finally. Come on, how many's ready to finally be strong in the Lord? I'm not gonna keep going back and forth, up and down, up and down. Am I preaching to the right church here today? Just, you know, just kind of telling you where I've been and, and still have to deal with it, okay? Because life's not over yet. But finally, I'm getting it. I'm getting it, God. I'm getting it. I, I'm gonna be strong in the Lord and in your power. I'm gonna put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He ain't winning anymore. You're not knocking me down again. I'm, I'm up and I'm staying up this time. I've got power in the life for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. God's saying this isn't a flesh and blood. This isn't about who offended you. This isn't about who upset you. This isn't about where you messed up or where you failed or where you sinned. This is about you're in a battle against the enemy. Now you're gonna stand strong in the power of the Lord. We're not going back there. We're gonna accept that freedom that Jesus has made available to us so that we can now enter in. And listen to me, when you get this today and move into next Sunday's message on discovering your purpose, when you come involved and get in, in, uh, impacted by your purpose and you get involved in your purpose, this doesn't become an issue anymore. Amen. The people that are struggling with their freedom are the people that never entered their purpose. But when you Amen. enter your purpose, it takes care of your struggle with freedom. Amen. You with me? And so it's a journey, all right? And so let's look. So how do I experience true freedom? In the book of Romans chapter eight, I love it, I love it. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How, how do we... Over how, how do we experience this? You see, if you do not get this scripture, you're stuck for the rest of your life. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Watch this now. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Amen. You see the war, but do you see the answer? That, that the enemy's gonna come. He comes to me, folks. I, I'm not temptation free. Matter of fact, I think he comes to me about 10 times more than you. Because if he can nail me, he, he up, it interrupts an entire congregation. 
And, and, and so the temptations are there. You, you gotta realize that today, but if I'm walking in the spirit, I'm desiring to please the spirit. Amen. And he empowers us and you and myself that we don't have to give in, we overcome. Amen. I don't have to give in to those thoughts. I don't have to give in to that unforgiveness. I don't have to give in to that battle. I don't have to give in to that addiction. I don't have to give in to that that's destroying my life and my family. I can be free. And God wants you to experience that freedom in your life today. But here's the thing. As long as you continue to condemn yourself, the enemy doesn't need to. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that should be accusing you, not you. And if you've experienced promise number one, you don't have to worry about accusation any longer, condemnation any longer. Jesus took care of that in salvation. And so you need to go walking it out and quit letting the enemy tell you why you don't deserve this. Because promise one took care of that. I do deserve this now, not because of what I did, but because he kicked you in the face, devil, when he rose from the dead. He went to the corridors of hell, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, crushed the enemy with his heel, and walked out the triumphant one. Yeah, I deserve this. Because he paid the price for it. I haven't met one person yet. I was in financial services for years, and I I didn't take one check to somebody, and they go, I don't deserve that. Have you ever seen anybody show up at court for an inheritance and go, nah, I know he left me 100 million, but I don't deserve that. No, we're like, why didn't he do 110? You know what I'm saying? And Jesus is saying today, I've offered you more than that. I've got eternal life. I've got a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit that you can experience right now on earth. And we're sitting here going, I don't deserve that. Nah, it's okay. I know it's free and I know it's mine. I know you promised and I know it's there, but no, I don't deserve that. You don't know what I did. He is God. I think he knows. And he's saying, you know what? Still yours. Will you just take it? Everybody knows. I I put a $100 bill in a box back here one Sunday and put a ribbon around it and just wrapped it up and everybody walked by and everybody went home. And there was a $100 bill in there with a note that says, whoever opens this gift and receives it is yours. And nobody opened it because they didn't think it was theirs. Now, people don't bring a gift here if you don't want to. You you lay a gift around here. Somebody's open that baby whether it's for them or not. That's the way freedom is. Jesus is saying, it's your gift, but too many of us don't open it because we don't think it belongs to us when it's got your name on the inside. And so let me wrap up here and, and, and let you go. Because you see, letting the spirit control your mind leads to a life of peace. You're now ready to move into the redemptive and fulfillment plan of God. And so here's the key, relationships, relationships. You hear this word here at the church all the time relationships are the key to deliverance. Relationship, relationships, say it with me, relationships, don't we preach that here all the time? Relationships are the key to deliverance. Life change comes through relationships. Salvation comes through Jesus, but life change comes through relationship. God takes care of what we did, but he doesn't guarantee we won't do it again. Are you with me? God forgives us of what we did, but if you don't have the right relationships in your life, odds are you're probably gonna go do it again. 
The Bible says that in the counsel of two or three, confess your faults one to another. There's power in godly relationships, having quality, positive relationships in your life. People can't forgive you of your sins, but the right people in your life can help you overcome them. Relationships are spiritual. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me who you spend the majority of your time with this week and I'll show you where you're going in life. Because relationships are key to us finding the freedom that God desires for us to have in our life. Go to God for forgiveness. Go to other people for healing. Right relationships in your life help strengthen you spiritually. God designed it this way. And I want to encourage you today. We have small groups, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. We have small groups all through this church, semesters of small groups, and they have a purpose, and that's to connect you with other people in a relationship manner that you can build accountability and trust and confidence in each other that when I do slip, and we're watching them work all over, where people are being free from addictions and hangups and hurts and wounds, and it's not happening in here in a church service. It's happening out there in a relationship, on a one-on-one experience where they become accountable to each other and they're calling each other two and three in the morning. And all of a sudden, I just need, let's go get a cup of coffee. And instead of going shooting up, they go and they drink some coffee and they get prayed for. And you do that enough times, you're free. And we're watching God do that over and over and over. Marriage is being healed and put back together. Instead of running to a bar, they're calling their accountability partner and going and talking some sense with somebody and you go home, treat her right. Watching God heal marriages, relationships, relationships. Three things I wanna encourage you before you go today as your pastor. Number one, if you have not been, I want you to get water baptized. Because if you wanna find freedom, where does this fit in this message? I'm gonna tell you why, because it's not an option, it's a command. Jesus said, I want you to be baptized in water. After salvation, water baptism. And if you've never been baptized in water and you've accepted Christ, I wanna encourage you, get baptized today. They're gonna do a little teaching right before the baptism, explaining so you know everything that's taking place. If you don't have clothes, we've got shorts. We've got shirts ready for you. Everybody's getting I have decided shirt today to get baptized in. We've got towels. We've bought it all. All you've gotta do is go show up at the tank. We got everything but a hair dryer and a pillow, I can tell you. But what is it? Jesus is saying, you know what? You want to find freedom? You bury that old. And you let me, because I resurrected, I want you to resurrect too. And I want you to declare to the world that I've done something new in your life and you're a brand new person in me. You know what water baptism is? It's the wedding ring of a relationship with Jesus. Because I've been married to that beautiful lady on the front row for 35 years but that band announces to the world that I belong to somebody. I belong. Now, it doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people today, but I belong to somebody, all right? But you know what water baptism is? It's the wedding ring of a relationship with Jesus. It's telling the world, I belong to somebody now, and his name's Jesus. And if you have not been baptized in water, we'd love for you to join us today. And if not today, in the next one that we have, but make sure you get water baptized. Number two is church membership. Church membership. I wanna encourage you, become a part. I'm talking as a pastor right now. And if Transformation Church doesn't fit your style, we're in relationship with some amazing churches and pastors. We meet monthly, myself 
that as with a group of pastors in this town that, that God's allowed me to, to kind of mentor and, and be with. And, and so I, they're young guys and they're passionate about Jesus. And, and there's some great churches that we're in fellowship with. But my role today as a pastor is not to build this church, it's to build the kingdom. And I just want to tell you, get in a church somewhere and become a part of that church because you need a church family to grow with to find that freedom. And number three, I said it earlier, get in a small group. If you don't have one, go on our webpage. They're all listed right there. We're in the middle of the part of our small group this semester, 13-week semester. Get connected with a small group. If you don't fit in any of those, just start your own. Find a couple friends and start meeting every week for a coffee or go sit at the beach. But get into a small group and become accountable with each other. And let that relationship strengthen you because life change comes through relationships. And then last of all, if you have not, Pastor Brad's gonna tell you about it in just a moment. Tonight, we start Grow Track all over again. Every month, we do it. Tonight's 101. That's the first one of three Sunday nights. We do it every month. And it's gonna lead into next Sunday's message on discovering your purpose because our role here at this church is not to find your potential because that means we wanna try to find out how you can help us get where we wanna go. That's not our thinking here. We wanna help find your purpose because we want to help discover how we can get you where God wants you to go in your life. And that growth track enables you and us to do that. And tonight, at a quarter till six, there's going to be a meal shared here in the sanctuary. And at six o'clock, I'm going to start sharing. And for about an hour and 15 minutes, we're going to talk about the church and, and the vision of the church and who we are. And, and let us meet you and you meet us. And, and for three Sunday nights, we're going to do that and help discover purpose in you and the passions in you and how you connect with that church family. And together, we can go make a difference in impacting hundreds and hundreds of lives for Jesus. Almost 800 people were here last Sunday. We're going to hit another great, great number today. It's not about how many numbers we have. Every number represents a person. The only reason I say that is about 80% of those numbers in this church every Sunday have been saved somewhere in this building, somewhere in an outreach. Over 80% of the people that attend this church have experienced Jesus through a salvation experience with him. And that's what thrills me more than the numbers. And so today I want to challenge you do these things. Let them become a part of your life. Get baptized in water. Become a part of a local church. Commit to it. Get involved in a small group. Get into Grow Track. Let's discover our purpose and get ready because we're going to go make a difference in the lives of a lot of people with the hope of Jesus. You receive God's word today? You receive it? Amen. Bow your heads with me if you will. We're going to close today and and I just want you to pray with me. And if you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm here today and I need Jesus in my life. I, I, I realize today that, man, he, he's got hope for me. And, and I, I'd give up on some things. I, I was tired. I was just tired of the struggle. But today I realize there's a place of freedom in Jesus that I can have. But I've got to come to promise number one first. And, and that's where I just give my heart to him and know that he loves me. I don't have to do anything to earn that. I just need to accept him and let him do the work in my life. If that's you right now, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. If that's you, would you slip a hand up and you can put it right back down. You say, that's me today. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need a new beginning. I need a new start in my life today. Maybe on live stream, you join us there. You need Jesus in your life. God bless you. God bless you. Pray this prayer with me. If you raise your hand or you did not on live stream, you can pray it with us there. 
If you need Jesus, say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart you raised from the dead. I can be saved right now. I come to you. I confess. I believe. And I receive you as my Savior by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can you join me and let's celebrate with these?